You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you've ever been betrayed, you know the pain is unlike any other kind of trauma. Betrayal is a unique, deeply personal, and deeply painful experience that can shatter our lives and live with us for years if we don't take very specific, intentional steps toward healing. Luckily, Dr. Debbie Silber is here to help. Dr. Debbie is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, the author of multiple best-selling books, host of two TEDx talks, an award-winning coach and speaker, and the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, where she has helped thousands of people heal after experiencing her own life-changing betrayals from multiple close family members. Today on Thrive, she unpacks her three groundbreaking discoveries around the post-betrayal healing process and walks through the five stages of betrayal. She also gives the best advice for supporting others through their experiences, what to do and what not to do when walking side by side with a friend in their traumatic betrayal and healing process. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome Dr. Debbie. Looking forward to our conversation. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yay. Happy to have you here. I was so impressed and interested by your background and your story and your work. So gosh, you have such a you have such a resume. You're a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, the author of a best-selling book called The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis. You've got a new book called Trust Again. You've been on Fox, CBS, Dr. Oz, TEDx twice. You've won awards speaking and coaching. I mean, whew. <laughs> that's because I'm old. I get a lot done. That's it. It's just, it's just being around for a while. Actually, that's an older bio. I have my newest book is from Hardened to Healed. Oh, amazing. See, yeah. you just keep on, you just keep on adding things to this list. And it's so inspiring to, I'm sure, gosh, everybody listening. But tell us who is Debbie beyond the shiny list of accomplishments and achievements. We've all got, we all love to see the laundry list of incredible things that that you've done. But who are you under the surface? You know, really, I'm someone who's just taken something really painful and done something really good with it. And that's that's it. I mean, I've been in business over 30 years. And as life would change, so would business. It was health and then mindset and personal development. And then really painful betrayal from my family. Thought I did what I needed to do to heal from that. And then it happened again a few years later. This time it was my husband. So anybody who's been through it, it's horrible, you know, and got him out of the house. And here I was four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I'm like going back for a PhD. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was like, something has to change. And it was so funny. The kids would be like, Oh, I have so much homework. I'm like me too. (laughs) Um, But then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal, you know, what holds us back, what helps us heal and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat and deceive that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. Amazing. Well, if you would be willing to share, can you walk us back to kind of 
what these betrayals were or not necessarily specifics, but kind of like, well, give us paint the picture for us of what happened and what it felt like for you. Because I feel like in hindsight, it's very clear to see that you took something that was a total mess and made a message out of it. That's now kind of like your stage for the world. But back when it happened, where, what was it? And what was that? What was that like for you in the actual, you know, in the thick of it? Yeah. You know, anybody who's been through family betrayals, it's real. I look at betrayal as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. Every relationship has them. So the more you trust and the more you depend on someone, the deeper the betrayal. So if there's that spoken or unspoken rule, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait a second, without my awareness or consent, that person chose to break that rule. It's a shock to the body, the mind, the heart. So that's what happened with my family. And then with my husband, that was that was another one and, and it was awful. So I really looked at it like uh, I could be the poster child for betrayal here um, or I'm just going to do something really good with it. And, and uh, you know, and anybody knows if they've been through it, it's it's truly one of the most painful of the human experiences because this was the person or these were the people who gave us a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person, these are the people to take away that very sense of safety and security, it's traumatizing. You know, when the person you trust the most proves untrustworthy, who do you trust? When the one you run to when other people are causing harm is the one causing the harm, where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah. And I think you're right. We all can kind of relate to this sense in one way or another of being betrayed. If that was maybe what, I mean, I want to say smaller breach of, breach of trust, but air quotes around that. I mean, any breach of trust is a horrible feeling, whether it's small or not, whether it's, um, I think it could just can really cut so deep and have such a, such a permeating lasting effect on your self-esteem, on your confidence, on your intimacy, on how you view relationships and friendships and anything really moving forward on how you view yourself and how you trust yourself, especially if you don't take those really intentional steps to heal in the aftermath, like what you did. So since you are an expert in literally exactly this, can you walk us through your sort of groundbreaking discoveries that you had mentioned around the post-betrayal healing process that kind of ended up being this like pivotal, pivotal stuff for you? Yeah. Well, and you mentioned it, you know, the, the first thing, the first discovery was that betrayal is a very different type of trauma. You know, it's it's like originally I was studying uh, betrayal and post-traumatic growth because I'm always looking for the upside of something and post-traumatic growth for those who aren't familiar. It is. It's like the upside of trauma, how that trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd been through disease, too. And I was like, nope, betrayal is a whole different thing. I asked all my study participants, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, you know, was it different? Is it different for you? Does it feel different? Unanimously, they said it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self gets shattered and has to be rebuilt. Like you mentioned a few of them, rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. You know, when you lose someone you love, you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss but you don't, you know, you don't lose your sanity. You don't lose your ability to trust, right? Betrayal is so very different. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation, which is the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that betrayal is such a different type of trauma. That was the first discovery. 
I love that. So then, okay, if that's the first discovery, what what from there? What, are the discoveries connected? Was it kind of like a specific path to follow? Um, or are these kind of things that you think live independently of one another? Yeah, no, the, these were three very different discoveries in one study. So it was like the trifecta of studies. I mean, I got the biggest bang for my buck out of doing this study. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So the second one, this was such a surprise too. And what was discovered was there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've had easily 85,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. And what's so interesting, and I have the stats from the quiz, happy to share them, but we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. You know, there's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago, I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 15 years ago, I feel gutted. My betrayal happened 10 years ago, feels like it happened yesterday. But what people count on is time you know, or a new relationship. And it will follow you around like a shadow until and unless you intentionally and deliberately heal it. So happy to share the stats, you know, if you want to hear some. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then when you're going through and intentionally healing from this, because obviously this healing process is going to look different and Mm -hmm. feel different from healing, from healing from any other kind of traumatic experience what does that healing process actually look like for you? And what has been maybe the most universally effective for people? Because I mean, like you said, there's people that are still kind of carrying around the feelings of betrayal from decades past. So whether it's something that's a kind of fresh wound or this older thing, what about the healing process for healing from betrayal is different than any sort of other PTSD that you might be you know, struggling with or trying to heal from. Yeah. Well, well, PTSD is very common to experience with betrayal. So it's definitely, you know, could definitely be a part of it. And what you are talking about is actually the third discovery uh, that, that what was discovered, this was for me, this was the most exciting. And what was discovered was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, fully heal by, I mean, symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, which I'm happy to share if you want to hear them, to that whole healed, rebuilt place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable. Happy to share the stage if you stage Please if you want do. To oh yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. And then I definitely want to get to those symptoms because people are walking yes. around thinking it's like oh aging, it's stress. No, it's not. Yep. It's ground heal betrayal. So the so the five stages is what we teach within the PBT Institute, all mapped out out in trust again. It's what our coaches are all certified in. Here's an abbreviated version. So the first uh, stage is before it happens. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody, me too, was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing, and kind of neglecting or ignoring the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. So if a table only has two legs, easy for that table to topple over, that's us. Stage two, the scariest of all of the stages, shock 
Trauma D-Day, Discovery Day. And here's where you get the news that forever changes life as you've known it. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So right here, you've ignited the stress response. You are headed for every single stress-related symptom illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. It's like this weird time warp thing is happening. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. And everybody who's been through it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. It's the rules that govern you, that prevent chaos. Trust this person. These are the rules. This is how life works. Don't go there. You know. And in one earth-shattering moment or series of moments, it all crumbles. Everything you've known, every rule you've held to be real and true is no longer. The bottom has truly bottomed out on you. And a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. I remember one of my, my study participants saying, you know what it feels like? It feels like every negative emotion you can imagine getting punched in the gut and losing a child in a crowd all at the same time. It's like horrible. But if the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three survival instincts emerge. It's so practical. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this? You know, where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Stage three, by far, hands down, is the place we get stuck, the most common. And as I talk about it, you're going to think of so many people you know who are stuck in this exact stage. Here's why. Once we figured out how to survive our experience because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from. We think it's good. We're like, whoo, okay, I got this. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, because we don't know there's a stage four or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we set up camp here. You know, we park here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And four things happen. The first thing is you start getting all those small self benefits from being here. You get your story. Ooh, we love our story. You know, you get to be right. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everyone you tell your story to, right? It's a whole victim thing. And on some level, this feels good because we're really not getting much more than this. So we're like, we like this. And so we plant deeper roots. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And then because we're here longer than we should be, now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So we plant deeper roots. Again, we're not supposed to be here, we don't, but we don't know that. Now, because this is where we are, and these are the thoughts we're thinking, well, this is the energy we're putting out. Like energy attracts like energy. So now we start calling situations and circumstances and then relationships towards us to confirm, yup, this is where we belong. The misery loves company crowd, they start coming around and now you have your people, you know? And, and so we start planting roots here. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks, but like, I have to work. I have to feed my kids. So we start numbing, avoiding and distracting. So we start using food, 
drugs, alcohol, work, TV, scrolling, whatever it is to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves from this painful place. So think about it. We do it for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. I can seriously see someone 20 years out and say that emotional eating you're doing, that you know, numbing. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. They said, it happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's it. And that's why I wrote from hard to healed because trust again moves you through all five stages, but everybody was getting stuck in stage three. I'm like, you've been through the worst of it already. What in the world are you staying in that stage for? So, you know, in stage three, so you, you can move through all of it. If you are, here's the thing. If you are willing, willingness is like the hugest word right here. Cause it, that's what it takes. If you're willing to let go of the small self benefits, grieve, mourn the loss, bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened, but I control what I do with it. That decision starts turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you were creating in stages two and stage three. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved. If you ever moved to a, you know, a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not cozy yet, you know, but you're like, okay, all right, we can do this. We got this. That's what stage four feels like. But I found this so interesting. If you were to move, you don't bring everything with you, right? You don't bring the things that don't represent who you want to be. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, or they were gossiping, low energy, whatever it was, you don't take them with you. Right here in this one spot, as we go from stage three to stage four, you've outgrown them. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Years? Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't rise, they don't come. Very common. So if you're, if you're in that weird space of like, I don't, just don't belong with my group. That's why. So common. Anyway, when we're in stage four, we're making it cozy. We're making it mentally home. We move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. We didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. We were surviving. You know, now we do. We're making new rules. We're making new boundaries based on the road we just traveled. And we have a whole new worldview based on everything we, we see so clearly now. And the four legs of that table... In the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Gosh, I love that. And I, it makes me wonder, it's the going from three to four and then four to five where there's where choice comes back into the picture for us and where people get stuck. I almost wonder if there's an element there where once the choice was taken away from you and ripped away in such an earth shattering sort of way, if you almost become, if you like subconsciously shut down the thought of making choices again, because now obviously I have not studied this at all, but I'm just like thinking, man, it makes sense. We're like somewhere deep, deep down. Maybe, maybe there's like an element of shame where like you kind of, if you made a choice to be with someone or to have someone in your life for a certain period of time, and then it went horribly wrong where you're kind of like, well, man, maybe you're internalizing that somewhere deep, deep, deep in the recesses as your own fault, or you can't necessarily trust your own decision-making skills anymore. So now besides the fact that 
being in victimhood can kind of sort of feel good for a hot minute if ever, if everyone's willing to admit it to themselves. Now having to go and make a choice when choices didn't really work out too much in your brain in the past, that can be super scary. And you're now also stepping into the unknown, which is also super scary. So now you're kind of all of these transitional periods have like deep seated elements here that make it wow, freaking hard. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I could take this in so many different directions based on those amazing <laughs> things you said. So one about trust, about self-trust, you know, this is trust is shattered and it's so foundational. And here's the, here's the trajectory of it because you're like, uh, you know, if the person I trusted the most proved proves untrustworthy, who can I trust? And where was I? How did I not see? How did I not know? So if I can't trust the person I trusted the most and I don't trust myself, how in the world can I trust in anything and anyone? I mean, you can rebuild all of that, but that's a really natural thing. When it comes to choice, you're right. This was, you know, it is so foundational and, and we feel like we have zero control over our lives now. It is spinning out of control. And this is one of the reasons why, and it sounds, it may sound so shallow, like why in the world would you care about, let's say, eating well or exercising, you know, once you've been betrayed? And the reason is that may be the only thing you feel you have control over. So it's really important to regain that sense of control. And we know within the Institute what to do at what times, but, but it is, it's so foundational. You need to feel like, okay, I have my hands on the steering wheel again, but I also want to say this, you said something about how it's like, you know, making a choice and, and like, it, it, this is so common. We're like, oh my gosh, I have the worst judgment. I, how did I not see? How did I not know? And we get so angry with ourselves. And here's the thing, and I want to reframe it a little bit. You couldn't see this coming because you don't think like that. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes we make is we say, well, that's it. I'm never trusting anybody again. No one can be trusted, this and that. No, that's not the case at all. What I do see though, if, if we don't clean up that betrayal, and I'm talking from the root, repeat betrayal is one of the most common side effects we see. So the idea is you want this to be the biggest wake up call of your life. So you look and you say, you know, what can I, it, it's not your fault, but it is your opportunity. You know, maybe you needed better boundaries in place. You know, maybe you need to realize already you are lovable, worthy, and deserving, whatever it is until, and unless you get that, you're going to have a whole bunch of opportunities in the form of people to teach you. But rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and you move on. That's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something from the absolute ground up new with the person who hurt you. That's what I did with my husband. So not long ago is to completely transform, rebuild people. We married each other again. New rings. That's incredible. New vows, new dress. And, but here's the thing, betrayal will show you who someone truly is. It also has the opportunity to wake them up to who they temporarily became. That doesn't mean you need to do anything with it, but um, people are so afraid of the death and destruction of the old, but that's the only way you rebirth the new. Like after that, I mean, that was the deal breaker. So now here I was, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm a single mom now do, you know, and I, but it was the willingness to let go of all of it, you know, on both ends, 
you know, the crash and burn on his end, the crash and burn on my end. And then you just, you, you do your own work to rebuild and you just meet up very differently. So how did you know for yourself that you were personally ready and healed to start new and start again with him after having experienced something so heartbreaking and at the same coin, how did he know that he was ready? And how did you know that he was ready where you could look at it and, and truly feel like you were two new healed individuals making this new choice together? I had a little advantage because I was doing the study, you know, on it. (laughs) I kind of knew what to look for on that end, but it's, listen, it's all we teach now, but, um, but move in moving through the stages, I was becoming so different. That old version of me, I mean, betrayal really lends itself to creating a new identity. Take all the parts you love, you leave behind what no longer serves. So I would question and be like, I'm so different than who I was beforehand. So is it possible that he could be different too? I mean, that wasn't even my concern, but that was definitely on my, you know, on my mind. And, and I think from his perspective, he was actually the one who told our kids. So if anything is going to have you wake up and realize what's important, it's losing the most important people in your life. You know, when you have four teenagers looking at you, like you did what to mom, if anything is going to have you fall from grace, it's something like that. And, uh, and so there's a tremendous amount of cleanup when someone owns their stuff. And, um, and I was doing my work on my end, he was doing it on his end. And as much as you see it in the every, in the big things, you know, it's the little things. It's the little everyday things where that person used to respond that way. And like they used to get angry and defensive and now they're empathetic. You know, it's, it's just the little things uh, because why in the world would you take that on again? You know, it's, it's, it's way too painful. Now, I will tell you, we have people coming into the PBT Institute all the time with 10, 20, 30 plus years of repeat betrayal from that same person. And there were three groups in the study who didn't heal. Um, one group was numbing, avoiding, distracting, right? They went to the doctor to go on mood stabilizers, anti-anxiety meds, took the edge off, they didn't heal. The second group, they were they had their story, they were sticking with it, they didn't heal. The third group, this was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. You know, they were, and whether it was out of fear of breaking up a family, financial fear, religious reasons, that was a big one. They just tried to turn the other cheek, whatever. I saw two things a further deterioration of the relationship. And two, that group was the most physically sick. Mm. Broken heart can't handle that. But but when there's very little consequences, there's no change on either end. So the person who's been betrayed is just miserable. They're getting sick. Their self-esteem plummets. They have no confidence. And the other person just gets a little slap on the wrist or whatever. There's no there's really no incentive to change. So, um, but people are afraid of that death of the old. It's the only way to rebirth the new. Yeah, for sure. For anyone supporting anyone who has recently experienced, or maybe is currently navigating some sort of heartbreaking betrayal, I feel like it can also be a shock to them to even hear the news and now feel like, okay, I have to, I have to show up and support. What do I do? How do I do it right? How do I not mess it up? 
what sort of advice would you give to be that best possible support system? Because I'm sure as we know, the wrong kind of support could do more harm than good. So what's the, what's the expert advice here for like being the optimal support system, best friend, whatever, whatever role you are when you are, when you're told the news? It's such a great question. And I'll tell you, we also have a lot of people coming into the Institute with therapy trauma. If mm. that therapist, because we think, oh, I'll go to a therapist. If that there, and I'm a psychologist, but I'm a coach first. If that therapist isn't highly skilled in betrayal, it's like crazy glue to stage three because you go <sighs> week after week after week, unpacking your story, unpacking your story, solidifying your story, making it sound that much better, going over it and going over it and going over it. And so all you're doing is creating this identity around your story. So if you're unpacking it without having a plan to move to the next stage, you're just going to stay stuck. And these are the most well-meaning coaches, therapists, but they don't know. I mean, you know, that's what our certification program's for. Anyway, so that that's an issue. The other thing is you could, you could be with a very well-meaning friend. And listen, I've experienced this personally. Some think it's contagious, so they don't want to be near you. You know, because it's like, oh, is this going to be like come into my world or I'll never forget a friend sits me down trying to be a really good friend. Debbie, I am so glad I'm not you. I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, well-meaning. Well, I got Yeah. Okay. So that was one of them. So, you know, and then the other ones, there are people who just want to minimize it because they just want you okay. So take like, I'll just give a general example. Take, let's say a husband and wife, and let's say the husband has an affair and, you know, total narcissist not changing. And this poor wife goes to like couples counseling and the couples counselor is like, well, if you just communicate better, like, she's like <laughs> what? And then her mother-in-law is like, well, you know, it's a, it's a mental illness. It's not that bad, whatever, you know, kind of, and, and it's, it's, it's all wrong. What I've found to be the most helpful as a friend, even if you feel like a bumbling fool, like you don't have the words right, you just say, I'm just here. I don't even know what to say to you. I'm just here. I'm just here for you. It sucks and I'm here, period. What do you need? Yeah. You know, what can I do? How can I help? Do you think there's ever an for friends who might be a little familiar with the different stages or for anyone who's listened to this podcast now and is so, so equipped. Um, Mm -hmm. do you think there's an appropriate time or place to kind of point out if you see someone being stuck in a specific stage and kind of help them give them suggestions to kind of get through it? Like, is there ever an appropriate time or way to kind of offer an observation or a suggestion if, especially if you see someone kind of like really making it their identity, really being stuck in one specific place where like you see from the outsider perspective, that next step or the potential there, and they're just currently unable to see it for themselves. It's a really hard one because, you know, that person could need an intervention, but they're not willing. They're not ready. I mean, I get this all the time from people. They're like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know. Send them my TED to, to my TEDx. Maybe that'll wake them up. What, but the, the, the benefit of that story and all they gain, they're looking at it like, well, well, I get, you know, I have this. And what they don't realize is how much better 
their story is when they let that go. Like, look, I had a very compelling story. The most important people in my life all betrayed me. And if I told you my story, I'd get plenty of sympathy. But when you're willing to let that go, this story is so much better. Countless people now are getting help because of it. You know, so you have to look at it and say, yes, I have this story and it's, it's powerful. And, you know, I get all kinds of sympathy and things, but when you're reciting that story, I want you to notice how your body feels. Spent, depleted, smaller, you know, stage four and five feels really good. And you know what it's like, here's an example. It's like, let's say there were two friends and they're on a, um, and they're both overweight for like 20 years and the best friends, they, that's their thing. They have it in common. And then one of them's like, you know what? I'm so done with this. And, and she goes ahead and she loses the weight. And now she has perspective because she's been there, but she knows how good life feels now. And she says to the other one, because from her heart, she wants the other person to, wants her best friend to feel so good. She's like, come on, you know, it's so good over here. And the other one's like, it's really not that bad. You know, this is okay. And, and the other one's just like kicking herself. She's like, oh, I know how much better this feels. Just be the example. And when they're ready, if, and when they're ready. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Debbie, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you something. We ask every guest to close the show, which is what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh, I love that question. You know, to me, thriving is living in a state of abundance in every area that's meaningful for you, Mm. your work, your health, your relationships, your family, whatever that is. And for me, um, I do a check. And if I'm not there, it's like, what needs to change? So I squeeze the juice out of this day. Oh, I love that. Squeeze the juice out of the day. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more, learn more about the Institute, all of the good stuff where all of your resources are. Oh, thank you. Everything is at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the PBT Institute.com. Awesome. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.